We are going to go through um, from verse 121 to 144 of Psalm 119 this morning. Um, I'd like to pray once again just that we, our hearts are ready, that we are open. So Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears and whatever faculties that we have that we might absorb what it is that you would teach us this morning. Would this go out in power to us this morning and empower us uh, to obey? We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, some time ago, a few months ago, there was a TV show on Netflix and um, they followed a person who had been wrongly accused and convicted of a crime. And each of these first five episodes ended with the wrongly convicted guy still incarcerated. And I just couldn't let it end that way. The, the episode ended, but it didn't conclude for me, and I just couldn't, I couldn't let it end. So I must watch the next episode. And I did. And then finally, he's exonerated. So now I can stop watching this. But no way. Now he was in a battle to be compensated for his time locked away, and they seemed to not want to give it to him. And they ended that episode without resolving it. So what must I do? I must watch the next one. So finally, here it comes. They have agreed to compensate him. But wait, he's yet again accused of another crime. Oh my, I can't stop watching. I was in the grips of this show. It had me. It was consuming way too much of my time. Way too much. But I had to see it through. After all, I had come so far. I, I had to go all the way with it. Um, but afterwards, and I recognized when it finally did resolve itself, that I had spent hours and hours of wasted time. But I was gripped and consumed by this thing. What is it? But I was consumed by it. So I was thinking about us and I was thinking about me and our nature. Have, have we ever been gripped or consumed with something that just got a hold of us? Or maybe when you were a young person, or maybe you're still a young person, and you were twitter-pated with someone, right? And that that someone occupied all that you did, and all that you thought about was just that, I'm, I've got to think about them. I'm, they're just my everything. Everything I can think about, everything I do. I'm sick if I'm not with them. That kind of thing right here. Consumed and grabbed with a person. Did you also find that when this thing or this person reached its end, you felt like, oh my goodness, well, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> that was a complete waste of my time. That was not the gal that God had for me, and I just wasted all this time consumed with this person. It turns out that this person was not the person for me at all. I had another plan, but I was all tied up in this. Um, I'm just saying that had happened to me a couple of times. You got right. Tell me you that, right? Good luck. <laughs> I know. Amen. I, I just realized that. That's going to be tough for me to do later. Amen. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch alone. Uh, in all of this, though, we understand that people will fail us. Amen. Our expectations will sometimes disappoint us. Amen. 
But today I want us to see in the Word that the pursuit of understanding God's Word will never fail us. Amen. And it will never, we will never in this life exhaust our understanding of the Word of God. It will never reach an end of a conclusion where we just, I need more, I need to know more, I need to understand more. We'll never exhaust it in this life. So to me, that this is a pursuit worth being gripped by. Amen. It's a pursuit worth being consumed with. So I want to define that for just a second so we get this. To be consumed or gripped by something is to have all of our attention and all of our energy absorbed by it. The psalmist, first, as we've been going through this for the last four weeks, we saw that the psalmist first is gripped and consumed by God himself. The psalmist delights in God because God had set his covenant love upon him. God had chosen to set his covenant love upon him. And he delighted in that and was consumed by the truth of that. The psalmist has a delight in the law of God because it began with his delight in the giver of the law. He is consumed by or gripped by the blessings of the law as a great gift from the greater giver. He is gripped by and consumed with the disciplines of the law because they train him in the ways of the giver. And he grows in an ever-increasing appreciation for both the gift and the giver. He finds delight in the law here as a gift. He's overwhelmed by the fact that God speaks. As he, as he unfolds God's laws, his words, precepts, judgments, testimonies, the gift keeps on giving, and he is consumed by, and now he is also consumed with his loyalty to the giver of the gift, because he understands that God, in his word, is loyal to him. That God has been faithful to him. That God's word is faithful to him, so he is consumed by this truth. This is my prayer for us this morning. And I would like to pray one more time. Because the psalmist declares something in this psalm that really, really gripped me. That it really got a hold of me. In verse 126, I want to pray this verse and one more. I want to pray this through. In verse 126, he says, It is time for the Lord to act. It is time for the Lord to act. Amen. And I've been thinking about what I desire for the Word of God to do in us this morning, that I desire for it to bring us delight, that it would grip us in such a way that we just couldn't let it go, that we were just so consumed by it. And then I think about that as my task. And I think like Paul says, who is su sufficient for such task? It isn't me. I expectantly am asking God to act. I want God to act in this place this morning. So I'm going to pray that many times before we dive into the Word. God, we need you 
to act. We need you to take the words from your Bible to go 18 inches from the brain to the heart. That they would also just penetrate our souls. That our souls would be gripped and consumed and absorbed by your word. That we would desire evermore to hear what it is that you have said in such a way that we get understanding. An understanding that leads us to a life that lives underneath it and with it and through it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I'm going to read the beginning in 121. It begins with the letter, the Jewish letter, Ayin, before I read, I want to make one more point, is that the Jewish people were so engrossed in knowing and understanding God's law that they had these, these letters are set up by the letters of the alphabet to memorize, to hold it, to keep it, to have this device where I would remember every word of what it is that God has spoken. Right? And they were, they were underneath this law, sometimes to a point of being legalistic about it, but for us who have been given the word of God by grace, by his grace and by what Christ had done, how much more should we be absorbed, I think, with this idea that the word of God is everything to me, it's everything that gives me life. Um, so I think that, that there's something in just this idea that they had this, that the Jews had this right in that they were in training and absorbing and understanding the word of God. So, 121. I have done what is just and right. Do not lead me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act. For your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Pay, verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Sabi, righteous are you, O Lord, and write are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. 
give me understanding that I may live. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So in our first section, in, in 121 through 128, we're, we're going to see the psalmist plea for a pledge. And he does so from a servant position. And then he commits himself to personal loyalty, a promise, a personal loyalty. In 129 through 136, we're going to see the psalmist practice. And then 137 through 144, the psalmist's proclamation and his pursuit. So first, let's begin by, the, by seeing the psalmist plea for a pledge. And he asks for this pledge because he is a servant of God. You might recall from the first week in Psalm 119 that the words of the psalmist uses to describe the law are God's covenant words of grace. We talked about the fact that God had given these words as a covenant promise, as a covenant promise of grace he had given this law. We discovered also that the psalmist was a sinner. He was a sinner like you and me, but he was in a relationship with a holy and righteous God. Let's look um, just quickly at verse 176, for example. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. If the psalmist here is declaring, if I am to walk at all in the way of God, blameless, as verse 1 says, blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord, blameless. If I was to walk in the way of God, blameless, the psalmist would say, it has to be an act of God. Because he and you and I, by nature, are prone to wander and we're prone to forget. One of the reasons I believe that the psalmist has great delight in the law was that it reminded him of God's past grace toward him and gave him assurance by God's covenant words that God would indeed be faithful to him in the future. In this first part of the text, I want us to notice that the psalmist identifies himself as a servant. In verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. I am your servant. When he makes this declaration, what else does he declare? In declaring that he I am your servant. He is declaring that God is indeed the master. He's declaring that God is the master. I am your servant. Give me an understanding of your testimonies. And to define what testimonies do, testimonies bear witness to the faithfulness of the Lord. Testimonies also bear witness of the obligation and the duty of the servant to be faithful. He seeks God to teach him and instruct him so that he may in himself know God's faithfulness and to be given understanding standing then of what faithfulness in a servant of God looks like. The psalmist further in his servant-hearted pleas, he says, the psalmist asked the Lord in verse 124, he says, deal with your servant according to steadfast love. 
and teach me your statutes. Deal with me according to steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. As your servant, the psalmist says, I want to be taught that which the Lord has determined to be binding and permanent. When he says he wants to learn statutes, the statutes from the Lord are those things that are binding and they are permanent. I want to know what is binding. I want to know what is permanent. What can I count on? Teach me those things that I can count on, he says. Well, have you ever worked for a boss that seemed to manage and rule uh, by a floating or flexible set of rules and guidelines? What was good for one might not be met with the same judgment where you were concerned. <laughs> I have. <laughs> There's great comfort, though, I believe, in serving the Lord as master and to know that his statutes are binding on me and all who follow, and they change not with the passing of time or the changing of the culture. The culture changes, the rules of God, his statutes, the things that are binding and permanent, they don't change. There's great comfort in that, at least for me there is, and I think for the psalmist too, there's great comfort in finding that which is binding, which is permanent, that which is not a respecter of persons. Well, God says, he says to all of us, he doesn't say, you obey this part and you obey that part. All of it. Is there any doubt in my mind that the psalmist was saved? I start thinking about that. But how was the psalmist saved? As this text here is in the Old Testament. I want us to get that it was the same as you and I. Faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement sacrifice for sin. For us who are saved, now we look back upon the cross and recognize that our sin is deserving of the wrath of God and that Christ paid a debt we couldn't. For the psalmist, he put his faith in the promise of God to send Messiah to be a ransom for God's people. Let's look at verse 122 and 123. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. In the near view, or in the psalmist's immediate uh, context, the insolent, that is defined by being insubordinate, the insubordinate, those who were insubordinate toward the master, God, they were oppressing him. As a servant of God, when he's asking for a pledge, he's saying, God, would you be my guarantee? I'm asking for a guarantee. A pledge, then, in this text, is to formally declare a promise that something is or that something will be the case. The idea here is that in the long view, the psalmist is asking for God to give him a surety, a guarantee that his debt would be paid. The psalmist's eyes long for the day when his salvation would be complete. For the psalmist, he longed to see the day of Jesus when the atoning work would be complete. A second reason for the psalmist's delight in the law was that in the law he discovered the hope 
of a sure future in God's plan of redemption. So look at verse 121. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. 127. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. 128. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. I have done what is right, what is just, in relationship to a people who are insubordinate to you, God. People who are oppressive toward me when I declare that I love your law. I agree. I agree with your laws. In fact, I love them. I declare, God, my loyalty to you and your words. I ask us today, are we in agreement with all that God has to say about sin in the world? Are we in agreement with all that God has to say about the sin that is within us? Are we, right now, consumed by a particular sin? Is there a sin in our lives that we are in its grip? Are we consumed by our affections for the things of the world and the things that the world has to offer? 126. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. If we go back to uh, the beginning of the psalm in verse 1, it reads, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Verse 4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. The psalmist here might say, in order for me to continue to walk in your way blameless, it is time for you to act, to be a pledge or a surety for me and for the people who oppose your laws. Now, we move to 129, the psalmist's practice. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servants and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. You may have heard this said by others and probably by me multiple times. Read your Bible. Read your Bible daily. Practice being in the scriptures. I may have even said this is a spiritual discipline that will do you great good. You might respond like this. It's a chore. I don't understand it the way that Manny does. I don't understand it the way that Job does. I don't understand it the way that Doug does. 
In verse 130, he says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I say, keep at it. Because the Word of God does its work much deeper and much further than merely a mental assent to it. That is, that much more than just a mental approval or an agreement to a proposed idea, that's the idea of, of getting the word and saying, I, I agree with this, there's a proposed idea, and I'm kind of on board with that, that the Word of God does a deeper work than that in us. The Word of God brings light. It brings light to one of the darkest places known to man. One of the darkest places I know or, or will ever know. Right here. It brings light to the darkest place. Our own human hearts. In John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, Jesus says, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. For this reason, the world around us rejects the true light that is found in Jesus. And they reject the gospel that you and I proclaim because it brings light to the heart of the matter. It brings some light to the heart of the matter. But we who are in Christ, the light in the Word of God, because it illuminates or it lights us up beyond the mind and deep within our hearts and deep within our souls. When our souls and our hearts are enlightened by the truth of the Word of God and the Word made flesh. Our souls is what gives understanding to our simple and finite mind. Our souls give understanding to the truths that are beyond those things that are temporary, but those things that belong to eternity. 129, your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. 131, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. In the depths of his being, the psalmist longs for the commandments of God because he recognizes God's authority to give them. And God's enabling for them to be obeyed. In verse 132 and 133 says, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. The psalmist declares that his heart breaks for the same things that God's, God says. Because the word of God revealed to his heart declares God's glorious favor upon his servant. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may Keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Now with all of that, the next section, the psalmist declares 
he proclaims what it is that God is and has done to him in the word and what his pursuit then becomes. Let's take a particular look at just a few of these verses and then we'll piece this together. Verse 137 and 138. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. Verse 138. Move to 142. Your righteousness is a righteous is righteous forever, and your law is true. 144. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. In this section, the psalmist sings praise that God's rules and testimonies are in line with the very character and nature of God. The rules and testimonies are as faithful to the hearer as God in himself is faithful. So let's, let's say that again. The rules, the testimonies, are as faithful to the hearer as God in himself is faithful. He sees that these match. The rules and the testimonies have been faithful to me, and I, I see that this matches with the very character and nature of who God is. Do you and I trust that the words that we read on the pages of Scripture come from the God who can be trusted? If we can't trust the words of Scripture, if we can't trust them, then we either, we do one of two things. We either deny that they were given by God in the first place. If I can't trust them, then I deny that God even put them down. Or we say that even though they be written by God, he cannot be trusted. If we say that we cannot trust in the words of God, we either deny that they were given by God at all, or we say that God is not trustworthy. If we indeed say that this is indeed the word of God, that God breathed this, but I want to deny that this is faithful and true, I would say that your God can't be trusted or that it's not written by God himself. One of those two things would be going on in our hearts. But the psalmist here, he finds no such inconsistency with the law and the nature of the giver of the law. He declares it is trustworthy. And therefore, he can say what he says in 139 and 140. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. 140, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. The law of God Passes every test, is what the psalmist declares here. And in love of you, God, I am gripped and consumed by it with an understanding, and I am embedding this to my memory. In pursuit of your law and my proclamation, as I pursue this, as I proclaim it, as I've gone out, I've discovered this that I have been diminished and despised. 141, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Trouble and anguish 
are about me. Wherever I go, the psalm says, but your commandments, your words, they are my delight. I would ask us this. Are we gripped and consumed by the word of God, or are we gripped and consumed by a desire, a desire to be great, a desire to be liked, or are we gripped with a zeal to understand all that God has for us? And for us, all that God has for us is found in the person of Christ, with whom these scriptures testify. Are we consumed with that? Are we consumed with the desire to be great, the desire to be liked? Oftentimes, I will confess that in my desire to be liked, I will shrink back from declaring the truth of God's word. I declare the truth of God's word in society. If you do, wherever you may go, you will find that in your workplace you will be diminished and despised. You may discover that if you tell the hard truth of what the word of God says, that you will not be liked. Though it be true, you may not be liked. So again, as we said at the beginning, and I said several times, it is time for the Lord to act. I need God to act for me in that way, to convince me further that His His Word is true, that it is the thing that ought to consume me, and not a desire to be liked, not a desire to be great or thought well of. Well, ultimately. What do we see when we look at this text? I, I was just profoundly captured by the fact that he talks about the promises of God and that he's looking forward to the day, right? My eyes long for your salvation and the fulfillment of your righteous promise. And he's asked for a pledge from God. God, pay my that a pledge is that it says, I will do this for you. You can't. Right? That's the pledge. If I pledge to do something for Matthew that Matthew cannot do, I'm making my pledge. I will do this so that Matthew can do that. I've pledged myself. I've said this debt, whatever it is that you are incapable of doing, I will take it on so that you can. Right? And that's this idea. He has, he's looking for a promise. He's looking for a pledge from God that he might, this might just come to fruition, that he might see the consummation of his faith come today. I think for us today, are we looking forward to the consummation of our faith where our faith will be sight and we will be in the presence of Jesus? Yes, yes. Do we recognize that in this life we need an intervention? We need God in our lives today to help us get through this trouble and anguish that we find everywhere. And that when I declare the word of God, I'm small and diminished. I might even be small and diminished among my friends. Amen. Not just in places with strangers, but my friends, I declare that they, I'm small and just diminished. He must be an intellectual idiot because he <laughs> proclaims this truth about God that I can't see. Right? He must be just mentally defective. Must be. But I want us to see that this promise fulfillment, we find it 
in the person of Christ. And we find Christ as our pledge. We, if we ask today for Christ to be our pledge, if you are sitting here today and you have and Christ has not been your pledge, if you're dead, if you feel just indebted to this truth that we declare this morning, that God is righteous. If God is righteous, then I know this is not a word, but then I am righteous, right? <laughs> if, if I see that, that the testimonies of God are true, and that God never fails, that God is always faithful. That his words, the things he says, and his actions are consistent with his character. And I sit here and I look at myself and I say, Woe is me. Amen. I am indebted. I need a pledge for my good. As we saw in verse 68 a couple of weeks ago and the week before that, we've probably said it every time that we've done this over the past four weeks. That God is good and He does good. Right? God is good and He does good. Well, the God who I declare to you today, this is a God who speaks. And God spoke all that is in existence, everything that is in existence came to be. But sin has made humankind dull of hearing. I've been dull of hearing. But humankind is dull of hearing. But that didn't end it. Because God used a megaphone. <laughs> he did use a megaphone. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ, it says in John 1 14. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1 20 tells us this that all the promises of God find their yes in Him, in Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen for his glory. Amen? amen. For his glory. Christ propitiated, that is, or satisfied the righteous requirement of God, taking the wrath that we so richly deserve. He, that is Christ, is our pledge for good, paying a debt that we could not pay. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, you may have heard this a million times, but it is so rich and true. And if you've not heard this, and, and if for the first time God is just grabbing a hold of your heart, he's saying, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I would ask you this morning, can you hear him? Can you hear him? I'm going to ask another thing. Have you heard him and forgotten what he sounds like? Open his word and plead with him to reveal himself. I plead with God that he would give you and I, all of us, a delight in his word. That we would understand that as we get into his word and it unfolds and gives us light and it gives us understanding that one of the understandings that we would get as it unfolds is that he is delighted to meet with you. He's delighted to meet with us. And he's delighted to speak to us. And he speaks to us on the pages of Scripture. As my God speaks to me, this is my delight. 
The psalmist would say, I delight in this because my God, who spoke everything into existence, speaks to me. Speaks truth. Speaks consistently. Speaks of who he is. Reveals himself to me. In all of the desire to read the word of God for understanding, for knowing how it is to live, all of those things are well and good. But I think ultimately what gives us delight in reading and studying the word of God is that God himself reveals himself to us and he speaks to us. If God is, is prompting a response in you to his word this morning, maybe God is prompting a response for prayer. Maybe you want to understand more about the good news of Jesus Christ that we proclaimed today. Or maybe you received the word of God and today you, you're ready and you want to respond in faith. Maybe today that is what the word of God is doing. That has been my plea. That has been my prayer this week and this morning is that God would act. That God would act. I ask that if any of those things pertain to any of us here in this room, that after service this morning, that you would respond. If you have a need of a prayer, contact me, Doug, Joe, Jeff Meyer, Randy, Caleb, Richard, any of these guys. Connect with them. Amen. If you're saying, I just want to know more about the gospel of Jesus Christ, connect with them. If you're saying, today, God has gripped my heart and I'm consumed with the idea that I must respond, respond. Meet with one of those guys and see if we can help you connect to a deeper relationship with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the light. I pray this morning also that you have been brought great praise. In all the things that we have discussed this morning, that we've declared in your word, I pray, Lord, that if those things that are not of you, that, that they would be erased from our mind, but only those things that were driven by your Holy Spirit's power would penetrate deep into our hearts, into our souls, that we would not be satisfied with leaving here unchanged. So, Lord, move, we ask. We give you thanks for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us who believe. Amen. Amen. Amen.